The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org.
thanks for being here. Uh, so I will uh, officially open the meeting and welcome everyone to the Tuesday, March 21st, 2023 meeting of the Ann Arbor Park Advisory Commission. This meeting will be broadcast live on CTN cable channel 16 and online at a2gov.org slash watch CTN. To speak at a uh, public comment, you can call 877-853-5247 or another of the published numbers and enter meeting ID number 940-7190-7291. And with that, I would like to call us to order. Um, as Remy noted, uh, Remy Long is joining us today to help lead the meeting. He is the, and please correct me if I get this wrong, the Parks and Recreation Deputy Manager for Natural Area Preservation and Land Acquisition. So he'll be stepping into the shoes normally uh, filled by Josh at this meeting. Um, and with that, uh, can we please call the roll? Absolutely. Thank you, Lauren. Um, Commissioner Borkstrom. Steve, I think we're having trouble hearing you. Um, I wonder if you're, we're not hearing you. We can see your lips moving, but. Uh... Okay. Oh, there you are. All right, try it one more time. All right, can you hear me now? Yes. I am present and I'm in Ann Arbor. All right, Commissioner Crowe. Absent. Commissioner London. Present here in Ypsilanti today. Commissioner Marson. Absent. Commissioner Montague. Present in Ypsilanti. Commissioner O'Connell. Here in Ann Arbor. Commissioner Ramaswamy. Here in Ann Arbor. Commissioner Skylis. Here in Ann Arbor. Councilmember Rodina. Here in Ann Arbor. Councilmember Watson. Here in Ann Arbor. You have a quorum. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, we'll move on to the approval of our agenda. Um, do we have any additions or corrections to the agenda today? All right, seeing none, uh, we'll move to our first public comment period. Um, are there any callers on the line today? If you wish, wish to speak in public commentary, please uh, use the raise hand function so we know you're waiting to speak. Does not appear we have any public comments at this time. All right, thank you. We'll have another public comment at the end of the meeting. Um, approval of our minutes. Our February 28th, 2023 regular meeting minutes are attached in our materials today. Um, may I have a motion to approve or any discussion on the minutes? I motion to approve. All right, moved by Rachel. Is there a second? Second. Second by Larry. Any other discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Thank you. All opposed, no. All right, a motion carries. Minutes are approved. Thank you very much. Um, we'll move on to our presentations today. Um, and our first presentation, we are um, excited to welcome uh, Santa Traugott. I hope I didn't butcher your name. 
um, from the Sister Lakes Association. Um, and uh, they are gonna give us a presentation on um, Dolph Park and the Sister Lakes neighborhood and some improvements they would like to see. So Santa, if you're with us, uh, you can go ahead. And friends, I think there are a couple of you here today. Hi. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear okay, you. Okay, and I'm also not visible. Oh, there you are. There I am. I'm going to try to share the screen. Um, is that, can you see it? Um, not yet. Okay, is there a, okay, I'm gonna share screen. Um, okay. Yep, I think it's working now. All right. Um, well, I'm gonna start out by uh, thanking you for giving us this opportunity. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the Sister Lakes neighborhood. It's uh, uh, on the west, far west side of the city. It's uh, a very diverse neighborhood, um, both in, um, economically diverse and also in, uh, in uh, life stages and education. There are people here like myself who've been raised young children in the neighborhood were empty nesters and have stayed on to age in place. And then there are uh, young people raising young children and everything in between. Um, the Sister Lakes Association has historically been very active around environmental issues and were instrumental in getting the Delft nature area uh, accomplished. Um, also, uh, we uh, got a drain, a Sister Lakes drain under Sunnywood because years ago, every time it rained, the streets flooded. In 1985, we were able to get the school district to uh, convince them not to sell uh, the school, which was a good decision because now the school has expanded so much that we're probably gonna build a bigger one. Um, the Sister Lakes went dormant for a period of time after that. Um, but a few years ago, several of us oldsters began talking about how one could support aging in place. And we formed a little network to accomplish that. And pretty soon it became clear that um, in order to age in place in the neighborhood, we probably needed um, to have a network of the entire neighborhood rather than just um, elderly people. And that elderly people were probably better off when they were well integrated into the neighborhood. So at that point, the Sister Lakes Association per se got resurrected and a new board of officers elected and so on. <clears throat> and since then, um, the board has been quite active, but one of the things they did was to start talking about a, a vision for the parks. Uh, we wanted to create and maintain a gathering place in order to build a community and also citywide appreciation for our unique, our very unique uh, nature area. We wanted to provide a playground for children and families in the Westover area. Westover is on the west side of the First Sister Lakes. Uh, we want to contribute to building support for the woods, maintaining carbon sequestration. 
We want to support aging in place and facilitate access across generations to our lakes and to our natural areas. Uh, it's very good for people to be exposed to nature. It's very good for older people and all kinds of people. And we want to provide even more access for the people in the neighborhood and for the people in the city of Ann Arbor. Because we recognize that this is not a neighborhood park per se, it is a natural area that benefits the entire city. And we want to have opportunities for, for children and schools to engage and preserve this area. Um, if I have the right slides. Um, right here is our, our four goals. Um, I'm not gonna talk much about this, but you can see at the bottom, we're talking about eventually we'd like to acquire, we would like for the city under the green belt to acquire 3365 Jackson Road for inclusion in Delft Park. It borders a rare fen wetland environment. If that can't happen, we thought about a conservation easement, but we have been very fully apprised that this is unlikely to happen in the near future. Uh, as the owners are probably not willing to sell for what the city can pay for. So I won't say any more about it at this point. Um, for those of you who may not be familiar, this is our, um, this is the area that we're talking about. I don't think this slide is quite on the screen. Um, this is the Westover neighborhood. This is Jackson Road here. This is the old 3365, otherwise known as the Ma property. This is the first Sister Lakes. Uh, you can see on the map where we would like to put a small gathering space. This is Park Lake down here, which has no sidewalks um, or walking paths, whatever. Um, and I wanna make it clear that in our neighborhood, if you walk down Park Lake at almost any hour of the day, you would see people walking, pushing strollers, walking their dogs. Um, it is a very heavily utilized um, street. So the place to gather, we're talking about a pavilion, a small, a small gathering space right here, probably not as big as that, that would accommodate 12 to 20 people at most, uh, enough for maybe a small natural resources class or a meeting of birders or something like that. Um, we think that the nature area is underutilized as a citywide resource, and that even a modest structure could make a big difference in, in wider usage and enjoyment. Um, I in our vision, there would be uh, kind of a kiosk there with maybe QR codes with more information about the natural area with a lot more information about signage with the ability to post, you know, this is when the, the warblers are going through now or this activity is gonna take place here. Um, there is no neighborhood meeting space. We're trying to weave the community together with, we have a gardening group, we have a book group, we have an aging group, um, a, young, a young families play group. And we think that, that, that such a pavilion would help us build the community. My, my, my greatest hope is that it would be a place where a neighbor could walk and sit for a rest and meet up with another neighbor who they may not have ever known before and, and strike up some kind of relationship. We are already very invested in the stewardship of natural areas and we have a, a history of activism and of bringing the neighborhood together, which I think suggests that we have the willingness and the ability to do fundraising to supplement 
what it is that the city could provide. <clears throat> Let's see if I get to the next slide. Okay, Westover Pocket Playground. This is kind of an idea to say that we would like this to be a natural area as much as possible since it borders the lakes and not with a not a whole lot of concrete and so on, but a play structure, a place where children and their and their caregivers can meet. Um, Westover Hills, as you know, was annexed to the city after the oxygen was contamination was discovered in their wells. They were annexed pretty hastily. Uh, they don't have a playground and they don't have continuous sidewalks. It's a very diverse neighborhood, uh, families with young children and an in-home childcare facility. The nearest city park is uh, a 27 minute walk away. Lakewood uh, Playground is far away from them. And also Lakewood, uh, Lakewood School has recently implemented quite strict rules about who can be on their property. You can't be on the property between 6.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. presently. We're, we're working with the principal to get some softening of that, but right now there is no place for young families to take their children during the day. Um, and the need for a playground was identified as far back as 2020. 2010. So we think this is really a matter, uh, this is a very high priority for us. Um, accessibility. Um, Park Lake is the Eastern boundary and it has no sidewalks or walkways. Um, it is a safety issue. Uh, I come in that entrance on Park Lake many times and I'm very careful, but I'm always conscious that just around the next corner could be somebody walking, maybe walking on the wrong side of the street, which people do. Uh, and strangers to the neighborhood or delivery trucks and so on may not be, are not that aware that there are people walking um, at all times on that street. So we think it is a safety issue, but as we thought about this more, uh, I think probably we don't want concrete in Dolph Park itself. That would be very intrusive, very invasive in, in these areas. Um, probably what will happen, what might happen is that they would look at sidewalks on the east side of Park Lake. Um, and we will be working with the city uh, and the traffic department to see if there are some other alternatives, whether we can, for example, make that street one way or create a walking biking lane and that uh, without having to concrete over any part of Dolph Park. And um, I think I might have whipped through my slides. <laughs> and uh, the last thing I want to say is thank you for giving us uh, the opportunity to begin the conversation with you. And I also want to stress that we fully understand that this would be a citywide resource. We, we don't think of it as particularly belonging to our neighborhood, that people would sign up for it, might want to use it for small gatherings of, of one kind or another. And our, our hope is genuinely that it will result in increased um, usage of the, of the park, which is a citywide resource. And so thank you again. Thank you very much for joining us um, and for this presentation. Um, gives us some really useful things to, to think about um, for that neighborhood. I wanted to invite PAC members to um, ask any questions or begin a conversation.
See if I can get out of sharing my screen. Share, stop, share, stop sharing. So I can I can sort of start a little bit. Um, you had mentioned, and I know when we spoke, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, briefly, we were talking about um, other potential sources of funding that might help contribute to some of these um, projects. Have you identified um, or or settled on anything in, um, in particular, or just sort of we are just beginning that conversation? I know so. I think we're beginning that conversation. I I think it's fair to say that we might look to the offices of sustainability, since what we really are talking about is uh, creating more resilience in a community, um, and also. It's, yes, probably we would start there. And then there are other local organizations um, that might want to help. For example, I could, uh, might want to help, for example, with Westover Park. I think that would not be a real hard ask um, <clears throat> if we identified the right people. Thank you. Other questions from PAC? Rachel, go ahead. Wanted to make sure I understood the requests being presented here. Great presentation, by the way. So um, if I'm understanding it correctly, there's three asks. The first is structure, the second is a playground, and then the third is sidewalk accessibility. Is that correct? Yes. And is that in order of priority or preference there? I'm going to say that I think we're agreed that the highest order priority is probably the Westover Park. Very close <laughs> to that is the pavilion, uh, the gathering space. Let's call it a gathering space. Um, uh, the sidewalk piece, I think that parks and the other city departments would have to collaborate a lot on that. And I don't expect that to come out of the parks budget. I don't really see how I can after we had talked with Josh a little bit. <clears throat> but, I, but I do think, and I hope people will help us when we get to that point, that we really have to have some consideration of making that a much safer street to walk on. Okay, and if you would indulge me in just one more question. When you describe the structure, what do you picture? Picture something that is mm, pavilion-like, that is to say it's open, it has a roof to shield you from the elements. It would have um, probably tables of some kind in it, picnic tables, maybe round picnic tables, because I think those are nicer, cozier. Um, so would have some kind of chaos, some kind of chaos in it, and other people who will know more technically than I can describe that, that people could access information from. Um, we've talked, we've gotten very um, idealistic about talking about, well, maybe the place could have solar panels and uh, we could have some kind of electricity generated by the solar panels, some kind of battery. But those are add-ons, I think. Basically, what we're talking about is structure. 
which improves signage and information, provides some protection from the elements and so on. Not a very, not a really elaborate structure, I don't think. Yeah, I'll jump in to help you, Santa. I mean, just traditionally, one of our the shelters that we have at our various um, parks, um, and depending on the size and the space available, you know, if we do go down the path, this becomes something we would identify that the size of it that makes sense for that area, the, mm -hmm. the the type of structure, you know, it would not, it would be something that as a, a team with Hillary Adam, myself, and then the community as well, we would look to see what made the most sense there, um, as well as any type of budget con conversation as well. So. Thank you, Josh. Uh, Larry, I see your hand too. Yeah, hi, thank you for the presentation, it was great. Um, I'm wondering, you, you mentioned the nearest park uh, to that area now. How far did you say it is and what's the park? I'll let Ariel speak, it's a Burr Park. Yes, it's Burr Oak Park. Burr Oak Park. Yep, and it's depending on the route you take, 1.3 to 1.5 miles. Again, some of that's made tricky because there are sections throughout the Lakewood community that don't have sidewalks. So if you're traveling with kids, you probably want to stick to the sidewalks and that might take a little more of a circuitous route. And I'm going to add something here and just to, I mean, I'm a semantics kind of person. Um, we're talking about a playground, a city playground, not a city park. Dolph Park Correct. is a city yeah. park. So the the it is not 1.7 miles to a city park, which would be okay. against our policies. It is the <laughs> playground component that you're speaking of. So yes, um, thank you, Josh. That is correct. Yeah. Other questions? I know we've talked uh, about adding some of these projects to the um, capital improvement budget. Um, and um, uh, Josh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, you're you're on mute, Josh. Um, um, Nicole Berg, I'm going to allow you to speak. Um, you can unmute. Hi, thank you. Um, my name is Nicole Berg. I'm also um, in the Sisters Lakes area. I am a mom in the Westover Hills neighborhood and resident uh, house of playing. Um, my yard is probably the closest we have to a playground right now. And I just want to iterate that it would be used, a playground would be used so much in our neighborhood. Um, we put a swing up in our front yard during COVID and the amount of community building that made of just neighbors stopping by, including all our nice retirees, people with their grandchildren visiting, uh, the daycare children, uh, people, there's an Airbnb across the street that has kids. Um, there, there's constantly kids and my kid is in third grade um, and we, I mean, there's three kids in my yard right now um, and there's more and more and there's a bunch of toddlers coming up. Um, we, my daughter's favorite thing is playgrounds. So I just want to reiterate that I promise it would be used. It would be a great community asset here. And so thank you for considering. Thanks so much. Steve, your hand is up as well. Uh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, super. Um, I'm curious whether the concept is if we just add playground equipment and sort of a play area in the, the Dolph Park nature area or whether uh, the idea is to acquire a different parcel or somehow put a playground sort of more within the neighborhood. 
Um, I'm sure that the Sister Lakes has an opinion on that. And, you know, there is some discussion on that. I think that for this conversation, it is looking at what can we do in the Dolph Park area. As they mentioned, the the Park Lake side, there is some space there that might be an opportunity to have some playground or shelter period there. I mean, it's looking to see what makes sense. Um, I I don't think, um, and Remy can speak a little bit about the acquisition because that's his specialty and has had several conversations about that. Um, But for this conversation at the moment, it is what is in our current property is what we'd be looking to potentially, the conversation would move forward in that sense. Okay, super, thank you. Other questions for our friends at the Sister Lake neighborhood? All right. Well, thank you all so much for being here today and for the wonderful presentation. Yeah. And so, sorry, you started this and then Ms. Nicole Berg spoke. Um, we will be putting these buckets. We will be putting the shelter, the playground, um, and the sidewalk request into the CIP, the Capital Improvement Plan. Um, the way that our buckets work is there's requests that come in on that sense. Uh, we have a number of improvements. We have a number of neighborhoods. But um, this was Sister Lakes's formal ask to do that kind of process. Um, it just is a step closer. It doesn't mean it's a giant step closer, it just means that it is there and we're aware of it so that as we identify funding in the coming years, it is part of the, those buckets. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. I'm gonna to try to leave. <laughs> um, Pack, we're going to move on to our other presentation today, which is a green belt update from Remy. Um, thanks very much, Remy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, dual privilege of sort of facilitating the meeting and also presenting to you on uh, one of the programs I oversee here at the city. And if you all are unaware, Councilmember Redina is the bridge between um, the Parks Advisory Commission and the Greenbelt Advisory Commission. So um, I apologize, Councilmember Redina. This is all information you already know, but uh, for everyone else, let's get going. Can everyone see my screen? Yes. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, We're gonna talk about the Open Space and Parkland Preservation Program, which has two arms, a Parkland Acquisition Arm and the Greenbelt Program. Here we are, uh, the state of Michigan, the Great Lakes State, one third of the Earth's freshwater um, and the second most diverse agricultural economy in the United States, second only to California. Dry beans, woot. Um, And then zooming into Southeast Michigan, we see metropolitan Detroit, where uh, we have about 50% of the state's population on just 6% of its land base. And then uh, historic um, planning uh, references call this area buffering the metropolitan region. Uh, the Emerald Arc of Recreation, Agricultural, and Conservation Lands. Um, And then within that Emerald Arc, you see the city of Ann Arbor. So in 2003, or just prior, city leadership, uh, council members, uh, community members, 
we're all having a discussion about what Ann Arbor and its surrounding areas would look like in the future. And that vision uh, was articulated as a city surrounded by the farmland that characterizes the agricultural heritage and supports the local food economy. A vision of uh, green infrastructure, upstream green infrastructure, safeguarding the city's drinking water. And a vision of open spaces that offer recreational opportunities and safeguard biodiversity preserved forever surrounding the city of Ann Arbor. So that vision was put forth to the voters in 2003 as a ballot initiative um, who overwhelmingly, the voters overwhelmingly approved with 67% of the vote, a 0.5 mil 30 year tax levy uh, to purchase parkland within the city limits and to conserve regional lands surrounding the city in what was called the Green Belt. So the passage of that millage established the open space and parkland preservation millage. Uh, there was an initial bond. So after bond debt services paid, the revenue annually from this millage is approximately 1.8 million and it is split into two buckets. One bucket is the parkland acquisition fund, um, which you pack, oversee and make recommendations to uh, city council on. The other, which is the focus of this presentation, is the green belt, um, which uh, recommendations and oversight of that uh, program are seen overseen by the Green Belt Advisory Commission. So you all and others are more generally aware of land conservation taking the form of natural areas, public recreation areas being acquired by agencies and then open for public use. But what's unique about the green belt and other land conservancy and, and land conservation agencies in the US is the uh, opportunity to purchase private development rights as a form of landscape level conservation. So what is purchase of development rights? Well, it's considered cost-effective land conservation. So it is a portion of the property's value. Uh, it is a perpetual restriction tied to the land and it ensures that the properties um, remain in their current condition uh, into the future in perpetuity. So purchase of development rights or PDR programs, that is the uh, action taking place, but the vehicle by which that uh, is accomplished is a legal agreement between an agency like the city of Ann Arbor and a private landowner. Um, and that legal agreement is called a conservation easement. When you own property, uh, think of it as owning a bundle of sticks and each stick you own is a right you have to that property. So the development rights, a right to enjoy, access rights, right to sell, et cetera, and so forth. What the um, conservation easement accomplishes is that it removes select rights from the bundle uh, that guarantee the continuation of that property in its condition and guarantees the protection of the productive agricultural soils, the, um, uh, the wetlands, prairies, forest land, and other resources that we do not want um, converted and uh, destroyed. So by way of example, totally hypothetical numbers, don't take these uh, and think this is all exactly what it is every day, but Farmer Jane owns a hundred acre farm uh, outside the city, but within the Greenbelt District. And let's say Farmer Jane submits an application to the Greenbelt Advisory Commission for consideration. 
GAC, as we say, um, reviews the ap application. And if they deem it has merit and would like to proceed, the city will commission a appraisal from a qualified independent appraiser who will give us two values. One is the current market value of that property or farm, um, which let's say in this case, if the 100 acre farm is valued at $1 million. And then the appraiser will give us a second um, value, a hypothetical condition value of what would the property be worth if it was restricted in perpetuity to just being used as agricultural land. The appraiser determines that that would have a diminutive effect of about $700,000 worth of value. And so that is the value being compensated to that landowner in exchange for the conservation easement and perpet perpetual restriction over their farm. So the landowner sells those development rights and then also retains the residual uh, diminished land value of 300,000 moving forward, which as you can imagine, when uh, a next generation of farmers is looking to purchase land is far more achievable at $300,000 than the high price tag of a million dollars unrestricted value that they could have tried to buy into or outright couldn't. So given this cost-effective approach to landscape level conservation, uh, what we've seen is over $83 million worth of property surrounding the city of Ann Arbor protected with the city only having to invest just shy of 29 million to see the perpetual preservation of that land. Okay, maps, I like maps. I've been talking, we haven't seen, what, is, what are we talking about here in terms of um, uh, bird's eye view? So here's the city of Ann Arbor surrounded by a semi-square, um, which is the Greenbelt District. Um, a roughly five mile radius from the city center, um, you could consider. So this is the Greenbelt District and the public and private conservation lands that existed circa 2000. And this is today, 20 years later after the inception of the city's Greenbelt program and other regional conservation partner programs. So what this translates to is 85 acquisitions, either led by or funded by the city of Ann Arbor, covering over 7,600 acres, nearly 90% of which are on private lands. And uh, the city has contributed to the establishment of um, nearly 10% of that being public preserves that are owned and operated for public recreation by uh, partners like um, Washtenaw County Parks and Recreation Commission or Legacy Land Conservancy or Southeast Michigan Land Conservancy. So those 85 acquisitions represent uh, 68 working farms, um, eight farms of which source food to local markets. Seven new farmers have been able to secure more affordable farmland because of the work uh, the Greenbelt has done. And the city has done an absolutely exceptional job leveraging externals, um, federal and local partner funding, grant funding, uh, to support these acquisitions and lower the total uh, investment that the cities had to put in to see this landscape level change. In terms of natural resource conservation benefits, uh, the Greenbelt's work has resulted in over 28 miles of river stream and waterway frontage protected forever. Uh, nearly 80% of those are in the Huron River watershed, so contributing to the source water protection of the city's drinking water. 
Not all of the Greenbelt District is agricultural land. So when you just pull out the tillable land from the map, that's only about 25,000 acres. And we're coming up on protecting one fifth or nearly 20% of the available agricultural land surrounding the city in the last 20 years. We've established, as I said, new public nature preserves for uh, our region to go and recreate and explore, 1,500 acres of wood, 1,700 acres of wetlands. And then in an effort to try to align with A20 reporting metrics and efforts, uh, we underwent a study. Um, we partnered with U of MCs um, to develop a carbon storage uh, tool to assess the carbon stored in the entire green, Greenbelt portfolio of lands. Uh, so we've stored, or the Greenbelt properties store over 300,000 metric tons of CO2, which is the equivalent of over 750 million uh, miles driven by an average gasoline-powered vehicle. So what's next? Well, in 2019, uh, the Greenbelt Advisory Commission uh, undertook a strategic planning process to update our strategic plan and set the priorities uh, for the remainder of the program's life through 2033. Um, from that process, we learned from public and staff and uh, GAC commissioner input that our highest priorities were to prioritize uh, what remaining parcels there are, um, focused on building contiguous blocks and greenways between our protected areas, uh, develop metrics that improve reporting on ecosystem services to represent the full diversity and scale of impact that the Greenbelt investments represent uh, in terms of ecosystem services, whether it be water quality, carbon, et cetera. And then key, I wanna do a few slides on uh, making a concerted investment um, and being on the innovative fringe when it comes to really uh, developing programming that increases affordable farmland access opportunities uh, and utilizing new transactional models to support socially disadvantaged, historically underserved, new and beginning, veteran, all the next generation of farmers seeking affordable farmland in the Ann Arbor area. So what is affordable farmland access? Well, land is essential to a farm business. It's the soil, the water, the open space necessary to grow. Um, the location of the land determines farmers market opportunities and beyond just being your business, it's also your home most likely. Um, but the number one challenge for new and beginning farmers in the United States is finding and securing affordable farmland. That is the number one barrier to starting a successful career in agriculture in the U.S. Farmland prices are at record highs, um, and of course that is uh, more so um, around our nation's cities where the market opportunities are, of course, greatest for these farmers um, looking to get into the business. So what can the Greenbelt and the city do to help with this problem? Well, thankfully, there are agencies like the Greenbelt pushing uh, a visionary future, uh, an innovative model uh, of land access programming as it aligns with their conservation easement acquisition work. Um, we recognized some years ago that this model is being underutilized by uh, agencies within um, Washtenaw County, so we wanted to be one of the few that um, built out a framework for success in our region. The model is called Buy, Protect, Sell. And so in this model, 
an agency like the Greenbelt at the city of Ann Arbor actually steps in and purchases a farm outright, instead of just working with a private landowner, the city becomes an interim holder and private landowner for a time, and then takes control of the title and facilitates the transfer of that title through a competitive uh, RFP process with the public. So it may be that a high priority conservation parcel comes up for sale, but no private landowner is willing to step in and purchase it and hold it for the time necessary to conserve it. So the city has the opportunity then to step in, purchase the property, and then work to develop the conservation easement terms that potentially create multiple affordable land purchasing opportunities for the pipeline of new and beginning farmers that are seeking to move to our area and serve our markets and participate in our sustainable local food system. So we uh, staff built out a framework um, for what uh, policies and guidance would be necessary to consider these types of complex transactions. Uh, we've built that out um, and the templates and we've shared that um, with partners and with council and with GAC and actually, City Council last year, at the end of last year, approved the purchase um, of the very first buy, protect, sell parcel. And we are underway in uh, staff working through the necessary um, uh, steps of developing the RFP to sell this conserved property and potentially subdividing this property into two conserved parcels to create two affordable land access opportunities um, in near our community. Uh, so buy, protect, sells, proof of concept is well underway. The Greenbelt Advisory Commission is overseeing that process, and we're just excited to be innovating in a space that is going to make a meaningful difference um, for uh, the next generation of farmers seeking to move to our area and serve our community. And that's all I got. Remy, thank you so much for that. Um... Sticking with the, the buy, protect, sell model, um, can you let us know a little bit about what the vision and goals are for that model in terms of scale? Um, are there several properties that, that we have our eye on that, that you know we're excited to take this model forward? Is it just, we're kind of just doing the proof of concept for now, the one property, and then we'll see, or what, what kind of scale is being envisioned there? I appreciate that question um, a lot. Uh, the reason I'm so excited to build out and finish the proof of concept project is because I know the demand is there on the side of the buyers. Um, I'm aware of uh, over 150 um, land seekers in the Southeast Michigan region searching for these conserved parcels because of that lower land value and the proximity to the markets they aim to serve. There is no lack of demand in our mind on the buyer side. Uh, the opportunity on the purchasing side for the city, um, this has been a point of uh, frustration um, for staff for a long time. We often get calls from farmers toward the tail end of their struggles where they're wishing they could conserve it, but don't know that it's a multi-year process to cross that finish line. But if they had a means of selling right now, and guaranteeing its conservation later, that could make uh, capitalize on some opportunities that have, we've otherwise had to pass on um, throughout the program's history. And this is a theme that both the Greenbelt shares with um, uh, many of our 
other uh, conservation e easement partners in the community that do this work. We've heard from both sides, the buyers and the sellers, um, similar stories. So I think the market opportunity is there. In terms of the makeup of what uh, the Greenbelt does in its portfolio of work from the traditional working with private landowners to place conservation easements on their farms or their land, and using the buy protect sell model, um, we're still not sure what the total balance would be. Uh, I could see it easily becoming um, a quarter of the, the work we do uh, into the future. But again, we've got 10 years left and we want to get as much as we can done and conserve as much acreage as we can. Um, so sometimes these buy protect sell transactions don't lend themselves to that outcome. You are targeting potentially smaller parcels. Um, but find a balance with that uh, pipeline of work. And I think we're uh, looking at 25, maybe even 50% by protectile work in the next 10 years. Wow. Thank you very much. Um, questions from members of PAC or our council members. Uh, Steve, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Remy, thanks for that presentation. Um, and I also particularly wanted to appreciate the bundle of sticks part. Lauren, I know you enjoyed that as well. You did. Um, my question is, I guess, a little less related to this particular community, but it, has there been a chance to um, maybe network with, uh, are there other similar organizations or efforts underway um, in terms of land acquisition um, that you've been able to, network with uh, throughout this process or, you know, sort of how, how unique is this effort um, with the Greenbelt acquisition and the kind of related parkland acquisition? Greenbelt as a whole or by protect cell? More of the Greenbelt as a whole is what I'm, what I'm curious yeah. about. No. So uh, another great question. Um, there are, Nonprofit land conservancies do the bulk of the conservation easement acquisition work in the United States. Um, there are thousands of nonprofit land trusts or land conservancies that acquire conservation easements on private land. Um, but municipalities, uh, states, um, counties, other, you know, uh, government entities um, certainly have their programs as well. There, there are plenty of them. What's truly unique about the Greenbelt program is that it's a city funded program. Uh, Lexington, Kentucky um, is the only other city funded program that I can speak of. Um, and so uh, we, we live in a uniquely dense uh, area of conservation programming. There are multiple townships surrounding the city of Ann Arbor that have passed their own millages for conservation easement acquisition. Washtenaw County has a conservation easement acquisition millage uh, program. And then there are two nonprofit land conservancies in our service area as well. So we all get along, we all collaborate, but what makes us unique both locally and at the national scale is being a city driven program and funded. That's helpful context, thank you. I, I'm invited with relative frequency to speak on that exact topic, given the unique nature of being a city-funded program. Um, I recently did, uh, last September, I think I did a webinar for American Farmland Trust that was reaching out to a lot of government entities to help them understand these programs exist, 
They've been around for a long time. Here are the programs and benefits that they've yielded. Thank you. Super. Uh, yeah. Rachel, go ahead. I have essentially the same question, but for BiProtect Cell, how unique is our offering of that program? And what does it look like on a national landscape? Yeah, great question. Um, I have heard, the first I heard of BiProtect Cell was probably, I'm going to say 2015. And it was a concept back then. Um, a lot of the land trust community uh, is um was the innovative fringe in that regard. Um, they were, you know, raising funds uh, to protect the community's, you know, target resource, a very specific iconic farm, um, and then purchasing it outright to make sure that it was uh, going to be conserved. So you've seen fundraising efforts like that, but a concerted rolling program where the purpose is to generate affordable farmland access opportunities is a bit rarer um, rather than the one-off, we're gonna buy it, make sure it's protected, and then just, it doesn't really matter who it's sold to. Um, if it ends up in a farmer's hands, that's great. This is a focused effort on supporting the next generation of the farming community, getting into our area, and then doing what we can to uh, create weights within an RFP process that target um, someone who's gonna be producing local food and actually serves the community within our area um, rather than just commodity ag shipping off to far and unknown places. Um, so there are probably dozens of programs pushing by Protect Cell in this direction, but I can say we're all doing it in one sort of uh, wave that's emerging um, as the innovative front in the, in the conservation community. And we're probably for sure the only parks and rec department for a city in the United States doing this. Again, I can say that. That's really impressive. Has that has that helped us with uh, with you know other sources of funds for the program and that kind of thing, grants and et cetera? It's a a little bit of the inverse, actually. These transactions deviate from the standard acquisition model so much that the grant funders are having trouble keeping up with developing policies that align with the use of these funds in these ways. Um, so we have an extraordinary track record of securing funds for the traditional conservation easement acquisition model. But for this first one, the proof of concept, we did secure 30% um, uh, or more, I can't recall, of the easement funding necessary from Washington County's program locally. So we do have a funding partner on the roster for that one but not a federal agency. They're having to work pretty hard to catch up to what we're doing. Thanks. Other questions for Remy? I have one. Um, Remy, that's amazing. Is Do you know if anybody has been promoting this from like a, a PR standpoint? Because that's a great story that you are the only and you have these amazing outcomes and it may bring, bring more farmers, but I think just more promotion of the great work your team in the city is doing. Thanks. Yeah. Um, MLOG did, when staff submitted a uh, overview of the Buy, Protect, Sell framework to city council last year um, or so, MLive did pick that up and, and do a story about what the model offers the community. Um, but 
these transactions are multi-year processes. So to get through the first one and actually have a success to tout and do a picture of and an open house for the community or whatever it may be, we're waiting until we clear the first hurdle of this one and then we'll probably do a pretty big press tour. Uh, Rachel, go ahead. Yes, this is just so exciting. I have more questions. So two, the first is, was that MLive article recent, Remy? I'm going to say March or April of last year. Okay, thank you. And then second and final question, who do you anticipate a federal partner might be? A, a who? A federal partner? A, yeah. So the majority of our external funding has come from USDA um, Natural Resource Conservation Service uh, as a partner. Um, they have easement funding available, a lot of easement funding available uh, federally through the Farm Bill. Um, and we do a lot of work with NRCS to talk about uh, how to improve that grant funding resource. Actually, it just got back from Maryland two weeks ago at a summit to help provide feedback on how can they can streamline their grant funding process for these traditional acquisition processes. Um, but they're not even hosting meetings yet on how to catch up on the buy, protect, sell framework. So, um, but yes, that's a key funding partner of ours. I think to date we've leveraged 16 million from NRCS. Thank you very much. Other questions? Yeah. We're going to hear a lot from Remy this meeting. Uh, starting, starting, I think, with now. Um, so if we'll, right. if we're ready to pivot um, to our next topic, uh, right. we're going to hear uh, the parks manager report from Remy today. Um, so take take it away when you're ready. Thanks, Josh, for giving me most of these bullet points. But um, so uh, Beer Park Ice Arena is closing this week for the season. Um, this was the original closing date, which was made possible by the cold March. So um, know that. And then vets will remain open until the end of April. Registration for summer programming opens April 5th at 8 a.m. Families should visit a2gov.org backslash parks register uh, beforehand to ensure their account information is correct. And the Parks Department would like to wish Kevin Ernst um, well in his re recent retirement from the city. Uh, Kevin's long and expansive um, city career ended March 11th, and the last seven years he worked uh, as one of the department's public space maintenance supervisors. So Kevin will be missed, but Parks is very lucky uh, to have secured a highly talented successor, Mike Hahn, as Kevin's replacement. Mike enters into the new role after serving as a NAP supervisor within Parks for the last eight years and will be sorely missed at NAP. Um, but NAP's short-term loss is certainly the Parks Department's long-term gain in that regard. Um, and while we're talking about that, and since I have the floor, I'll just mention that spring prescribed fire season has uh, kicked off and the team is currently out at Cedar Bend putting fire on the ground, or rather maybe mopping it up at this point. <laughs> and that's all I got. Excellent. Questions on the report? 
All right. Um, well, let's uh, go around the horn here with the other reports. Um, we'll uh, we'll go to Rack next. Uh, Larry, is there a report from Rack this time? Uh, yeah, we had a meeting last week, uh, and we had a report from Holly Klotz on our adult uh, adult enga engagement uh, to kinds of classes, which is a very enormously uh, broad selection of classes, everything from dancing the tango to woodworking to speaking French to a black muse black history museum walking tour of the city um so it's a it's a terrific program that uh, holly presented to us and registration for spring sessions is happening now as it is for summer camps uh the reckon ed summer camps um so that's it all right excellent uh, in order to register where should people go uh, I think you want to go to the Reconed website. Okay. I'm not an expert on registration, but that is my understanding. All right. Thank you very much. Um, Steve, do we have anything from um, Center of the City? Nothing in particular. The next meeting is coming up the week after next. Um, we are still looking towards the uh, sort of RFP concept for the overall uh, site, and then meanwhile looking towards uh, programming over the over the summer months. So, get down to Liberty Plaza and check it out. Lots lots to see and do. All right, thank you. Um, and if you don't mind, I will also mention, uh, much as I hate to do so, that uh, Steve, your time on PAC uh, comes to an end in May as does your time on that committee, I believe. Is that, if I've, if I've got that right. Um, That's my so understanding. Uh, despite there being uh, three-year terms and uh, two terms maximum, I've been on here for something like eight years. <laughs> um, but I assure you it's all legal and within the bylaws because I took over someone's term before they left. But anyhow, yes, and that's true. Uh, I will have to sadly depart Parks uh, Advisory Commission. And the reason I'm on the Council of the Commons is because I'm the liaison from, from PAC. So there will need to be another liaison from PAC to fulfill that, uh, that fulfilling task. Yes, and uh, thank you for that. And I, I, so it is for me to say that if uh, any PAC member wishes to fulfill that role after Steve rotates off in May, please contact Josh, um, just drop him an email um, and or we'll hound you, um, one or the other. Um, but certainly if you have interest in serving on Council of the Commons, please contact Josh. Yeah, and let me give a plug too while you're saying that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a worthwhile function. It's a great group of people, but it's also a critical function. I mean, Parks has to be at that table uh, while these conversations are taking place. And so I really, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk if you're, interested or if you think you're not interested i especially want to talk to you to tell you of all of the things you'd be missing out if you don't give it a chance so awesome thank you very much for that um i think um we are now in a position to move to regular business um the first item we have in regular business today is a resolution to recommend approval of an amendment 
to the professional services agreement we have with Altura Solutions. Um, there is a, a change order that we need to account for. Um, let's see, uh, Remy, Josh, uh, which one of you would like to take this? Thanks. Or Adam. All I think right, I'll be taking that one, Lauren. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is a uh, pretty straightforward. Um, this uh, resolution is for a change order for our ADA transition plan. Um, when we were reviewing, we have a 90% draft. We realized that six parks were not included in that plan. They were inadvertently left off our park list. Um, so those parks were Bandemere, Burns, Island, Olson, and Southeast area. So all very large ones that we want to make sure we get covered. Um, so this is to have Altura do an assessment and inspection on those and include them in our report um, so we can have a complete transition plan at the end. So happy to answer any questions you might have. Any questions about the resolution or a motion to approve it? I motion to approve. All right, thank I you. I second that. Motion by Rachel, second by Steve. Any further discussion? Hearing none, all in favor, please say aye or raise your hand. Aye. All opposed, say no. All right, this that sounds like record time for us. The motion carries. Thank you thanks very so much. Thanks so much. Um, thanks, Adam, I appreciate it. Um, the last uh, bit of business and regular business um, is the PAC policy agenda items. We have uh, policies that have been updated to now reflect the pros, the current pros goals. Um, you have them in your materials in the form of a memo from me. Um, any questions or discussion on those or a motion to approve them? I motion to approve. All right, motion by Rachel, thank you. Is there a second? A second by Larry. Um, any further discussion on these? Hearing none, all in favor, please say aye or raise your hand. All opposed? Say aye. No. Oh, thanks, Steve. Aye. All opposed, no? All right, the motion carries. Thank you very much. And I think with that, um, we have our second public commentary period. Um, are there any callers on the line? Does not appear to be so. Okay, thank you very much. Um, and before we adjourn, I wanted to uh, ask all of you to consider, we're, we're thinking of possibly doing our May meeting in person to give Steve and Pravina, who will be rotating off this fine commission, um, a proper send off at the end of that meeting. Um, we're trying to feel out whether we can get an in-person quorum for that. Um, if you feel strongly one way or the other, please reach out to Josh and let him know. We don't have to take a straw poll right now. Um, but certainly if you feel strongly one way or the other, let us know and, um, and we'll proceed accordingly and make our plan that way. Is the date so for that like the 23rd? Like what's the, the date in, in May? It should be the 23rd. Oh, no, sorry. Wait. Sorry, look at my dates. The 16th. The okay. 16th. It's the third Tuesday. So 
May 16th. Yeah, and uh, uh, Steve and I started at the, on the same day eight years ago. So we both took over two people who left partially. So we both have little over two terms. So it's bittersweet, but we've done a lot of great things over this time. You're here. Hard still hard to think of this commission without the two of you on it. Um, so we want to honor you and make sure that we that we do so properly. Thank you. Uh, so uh, please think about it, folks. And uh, with that, it is for me to say that the communications are in your packet. Among them, um, the take a look at 10D, which is the Parks Facility and Programming Update. This is a new report that uh, staff has put together. It uh, takes more of a comprehensive look at all facility updates that have been happening throughout the park system. Um, we get questions on these regularly, so take a look. I think it's a really helpful document. I'm not exactly sure how frequently it'll be included in our packet, but when it is, it's gonna be very valuable to us. So take a look at it. Um, and with that, I believe we stand adjourned. So thanks everybody. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having